All right, if we have started uh, with some gospel stories, what the Lord's been putting on our hearts, uh, it's my understanding that uh, after the first email went out when uh, Pastor Glenn had realized he's tested positive, uh, that a couple of people had reached out and said, hey, we'd be willing to share something and prepare, prepare a little something that the Lord's been putting on our hearts. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, and Mark, Mark was one of those that stepped forward, and, and Joey is going to be uh, coming up late, later as well. Uh, we're going to have some time kind of in between and, and throughout for anyone that feels like they've got something the Lord's put on their heart. Uh, and if, if you're uncertain, uh, come on up. Just share, share a, a passage of Scripture. Share, share what, uh, what you've been learning this week from the Lord. Uh, so, Mark, you're going to kick us off? And yeah. uh, maybe I'll, I'll pray to get us started. Great idea. Fantastic. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we just come before you. We thank you so much that you are totally in control, that in the midst of a crazy work week, a crazy week with kids and family and just figuring out life as uh, individuals, we get to gather on Sunday to take a moment to reassess what you're calling us to, to, to focus in on the things that you've been whispering to us throughout the week. And Father, we ask that... As we know your spirit goes through us and is sharing a common goal, that, Lord, you would amplify those things that you've been whispering to us throughout the week. Maybe, Lord, we didn't have the time to stop and, and really listen. As we have many come up and share, that we would just see how your spirit is moving amongst us. So, Lord, we, we leave this up to you. and We look forward to what you have for us today in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Matt. So, yeah, when Glenn sent out the email saying that he wouldn't be here and looking for people to share something, um, it just so happened that I was looking at um, my notes from, from the verses we were just about to get into, and Glenn left us with a bunch of cliffhangers um, about, you know, Matthew uh, 5, chapter or sorry, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, and, and diving into the Beatitudes. And so we kind of like teed it up and set the stage, um, and then I just couldn't live with that cliffhanger. Um, and so uh, looking through uh, the, the context and the scripture and then commentary on it, I just came across things that I thought was important for us to share for a few reasons. One, because it's good. <laughs> um, and uh perhaps secondly because if we don't keep going then Glenn's going to go on this series for another 3 years. Uh, <laughs> <and> <laughs> no, that that's just a joke. And um, um but yeah, so so I really just wanted wanted to share some of that um because it's such an important um part of of Jesus ministry. Um, and it's really kicking all things off. And so um, first, with a quick recap from last week, Glenn talked about the social and uh, philosophical context of the Beatitudes. So um, the two big ideologies of the day would have been people thinking that, um, first there was the, the, the Jewish ideology that, well, if you obey all the laws, uh, and even the laws that we've stacked on top of God's laws, um, then you will be blessed. And so then the reciprocal is also true, 
that if you are not blessed and you look like you're having a rough time in this life, well, that's probably because you've done something wrong. Um, and then the other word, view would have been the Greek uh, view, um, the ethical theology that basically if you just are a good person and follow the general ethical code as we've all been enlightened with, then things will work out for you. Uh, and then Glenn dived into uh, the first beatitude just a little bit, but then just talked about in, in general how um, the beatitudes are not really a prescriptive formula for how to be blessed, um, but are more of a description of how those who have inherited the kingdom, those who are kingdom people, um, are, right? So we have all these pairs of blessings and then descriptions or attributes of, of the people. One of the things I wanted to share with you um, was to kind of zoom back out and look at the broader historical context of uh, the Beatitudes um, and, then, and then actually dive in just a little bit more into the, the first Beatitude. And, and hopefully tee it back up for Glenn to keep going. We'll see. We didn't really coordinate this. So, <laughs> um, so if we remember back in Exodus, um, we had uh, the Israelites wandering through the desert for 40 years. Um, and then we have Moses, who acts as a mediator for the people. And he goes up the mountain uh, to receive the law, to receive the Ten Commandments from God. And those laws are intended to um, really guide the people into living out his kingdom. And so uh, the Ten Commandments were to teach the people of Israel how to relate to God and how to relate to each other. Uh, and the Jewish culture, right up to, right up to the time of Jesus, um, was all centered around those laws and like we talked about, um, you know, they went and stacked laws upon laws. Um, and, and now we, we kind of fast forward to Jesus, um, who is the perfect mediator, uh, who is God himself, sees people up on the mountain, and he goes to them, right? So um, it's, it's kind of like a, a picture, really, of the incarnation there where um, knowing that we, we couldn't save ourselves, that that Jesus took on flesh and came, came to us because we cannot ascend to him. And so Jesus goes up and he talks to the people. So let's just read through the, the Beatitudes here um, to give us a little bit of reminder of, of the whole context. So um, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, the disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets and uh, who were before you. So, does anybody remember at the beginning of that who Jesus was preaching to? Anyone? Yeah, his disciples, right? Um, and so if we were to fast forward all the way to chapter 7 at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, we, we hear that the, the crowds were amazed at, at Jesus' teaching and at the authority with which he preached. Um, and so I kind of envision Jesus going up and sitting down and his, and his disciples kind of gather around, and this is what it's telling us, right? And then as he's preaching the truth to them first, then we have all these um, these other you know general population people c- coming in and gathering in and forming this crowd and so over these next weeks as we go through the Sermon on the Mount, I think it would be um, helpful for us to to envision that that like that the, these truths are, are drawing people in and the crowd is building um, but in light of that, I think that these first few little bits of the verses that Jesus is really preaching to his disciples. Um, and, uh, and so the descriptions that he's giving of these kingdom people, um, I think fit them. Um, and so we, we dive into the first, um, beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Um, the truth is, I, I'm not really sure. <laughs> um, but the, the, the word used for poor there in Greek has connotations of like oppression and like physical, like actual monetary poverty. Um, and then the word for spirit used is pneumati, which is uh, the word with, from the root pneuma, which means like air or breath. Um, and so... It's talking about the spirit that God has breathed into us, our actual souls, our inner beings. Um, and it's the same word used uh, in John 1 when he talks about Jesus being vindicated by the spirit. Um, so I think poor in spirit um, is, is an attribute of, of people who have inherited and, and belong to the kingdom and, and to whom the kingdom belongs. Um, and it is not something that uh, it's not something that was the cause for their uh, being brought into the kingdom, but is the result of. So when we are poor in spirit, um, we we realize that we bring nothing. <laughs> There's nothing good in me that can that can make me worthy of of God's love, and certainly nothing that can make me worthy of being an adopted son and brought into the kingdom and inheriting the kingdom. Um, and then it's also important to look at the Beatitudes uh, holistically, right? We don't want to just like pick them apart one by one because I think that's perhaps part of the, the um, often misunderstood interpretation that, that if, if we are poor in spirit, then we will inherit the kingdom, right? If we mourn now and we mope and weep, then, then we will be comforted, um, but it's really, uh, if we look at the, the first beatitude and the last, um, they both use present tense blessings. And I think everything in between 
is really meant um, to encompass that, that Jesus is really describing um, his kingdom and what his kingdom looks like and the blessings in his kingdom and then attributes of the people uh, to whom the kingdom belongs. Um, so just uh, another, another thought looking back at um, the, the sort of great forefathers of, of the faith at that time, right? Um, the people hearing would have thought back to Abraham and Moses and David um, and all those guys were considered great in terms of, you know, worldly wealth and worldly um, qualities, but they would have been poor in spirit. Um, they all regarded themselves as completely unworthy of of the blessings and responsibilities that, that God bestowed upon them. Um, and I think the disciples really needed to hear that because, um, you know, they were just poor fishermen who'd been traveling and probably are sitting around smelly and all the people up on the hill are, <laughs> are like, you know, why, why is Jesus, why is Jesus hanging out with these guys? Um, we joked at our MCG with, with our friend James, who is a trucker that like in a, in another time and place, the the uh the disciples might have been truckers instead of fishermen um and so yeah so they would have been poor in spirit um but jesus is saying that is the people that i will use um not not for their glory but but for his um and so yeah i hope i hope this uh this helps encourage you um and also explain why why is it why is it that Mark's up here talking about this? <laughs> not, not because there's anything good in me that makes me worthy of, of preaching the word of God, but, um, but because of um, salvation given by grace through faith. Um, we, all have, we all have a responsibility to preach to one another, right? Um, husbands should be preaching to their wives and wives to their husbands. I'm very blessed in that way that my wife will often preach to me. <laughs> uh, and we should be preaching to each other, right? So even when our pastors aren't here, um, it is important for us to be, to be meditating on and sharing the word with each other and encouraging each other. And so I hope we will do a whole lot more of that today. Amen. Clapping. No clapping. No clapping. I'm just going to go right away so there's not too long of a pause. Um, so, yeah, I just, I, I, Glenn sent out the email and I was on my way to work. I read the email in the morning on my way to work and I was just praying and um, felt compelled by the Spirit maybe to just share my testimony or a bit of my testimony to um, just share a few, a few encouragements or points that come from my story. And it, it's funny because I didn't think about this, but one of the points is about mothers and um, about what my mom did, and so it's suiting that it's Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day. And uh, Yeah, I'm just going to tell my testimony, and there's two points, and it's one, God is faithful, and he pursues us, and the second is the power of prayer, and you'll see, it'll tie back around as I go. 
But um, anyway, oh, I'm Joey. Uh, that's me. Um, I, uh, my wife and son are upstairs. Um, we moved here beginning of 2021, coming to the Rock for about a year and a half now. Um, but I grew up in Whistler, and I grew up in, in a Christian home. I, both my parents were Christians. They found um, Jesus ugh, after they got married, 25, 30-ish. Um, and, but they didn't grow, neither of them grew up Christian, so they were new Christians raising us. So although they wanted to raise us Christian, they didn't necessarily know how. And so there was a lot of, like they loved God, but they didn't necessarily, we didn't go to church, we didn't really have a community unsure like it was it was an unsure thing like I was like okay we might be a Christian family but I, I don't know what's going on um but anyway I, I we used to go to summer camps uh Anvil Island um over uh, for for a week or whatever in the Christian camps and when I was 14 um at the summer camp I it was during a worship time and someone had just preached a really good message and I I, I felt like God was real and that I wanted to give my life to Jesus. And so as a 14-year-old, I said that. I said, okay, I want to be a Christian. Um, I'll give my life to Jesus. And someone prayed with me, and that happened. And it, it was great. Um, but then the very next week, I went back to school, and, and I kind of just forgot about it. Um, and then as time went on, I went off to uh, university. And, and co- uh, I was living in Ireland. I went to college in Ireland. And um, I, if people ask me, what I believed, I, I would say, like, oh, I, I, I'm pretty sure, or there, there might be a God. But I very much was, like, wasn't going to church. I never prayed other than bef- right before exams. Didn't read my Bible. Um, and so in, in no way was walking out Christianity. And then as my time in college went on, I started to, it started to get, I kind of with the wrong group of friends. I mean, they were great people, but we weren't behaving well together. Um, without going into too much detail, I'd probably say that anything you could imagine that you didn't want your child doing in college, I was doing. Um, and so it was, and it, was, it was very destructive, and I don't want to glorify that in any way because it was a, it was a bad part of my life and um, ended up getting, it kind of derailed into quite a bad place, and I eventually dropped out of college um, and was going, didn't, you know, didn't have a plan, didn't have a future. My visa was expiring in Ireland. And I had like, just no plan, and everything was falling apart. Um, and I went um, with my family to New York for an Easter vacation. I was living in Ireland, and they were here, and so we met in New York as like a halfway um, thing, just family long weekend. Um, and we went to Hillsong Church, um, in New York, and like I think that might have been the first time going to church in a few years for me. Um, and I remember they're singing. Um, there's a pl- oh, I can't know the song, but there's like a there's a place for me in my father's house. Someone knows that song probably. It's a, I think it's a Hillsong song. Um, and I I felt compelled in my heart, like and it wasn't like God revealed Himself or anything, but I felt compelled that I needed to move to Australia which kind of sounds funny how you get that. but um, And then I, I, when we finished church, I asked my family, I was like, Hillsong's Australian, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah, they're, they're originally in Australia. So anyway, I um, made plans, booked flights to Australia, had no uh, plan of what I was going to do there, had no visa prepared, um, 
just was like, okay, I'm going because that's what I, well, I was kind of running away part of it too. Um, and while I was looking for a job and, and getting all organized, my, my dad said, why don't you Google YWAM? Because uh, he, he had done YWAM when he was younger and or when they, when he first became a Christian, that's how he became through YWAM. And if you don't know what YWAM is, it's like a, it's youth with a mission. It's just a group of, of people who are training to be missionaries and they, they, um, big focus is young people and, um, yeah, young Christians, and they go all over the world, and it's, it's a great program. Anyway, so I was like, there's no way. Like, I thought I was pretty cool. Like, I, didn't, I wasn't going to hang out with a bunch of Christians because, like, in my head, they were weird. Like, I, I didn't have Christian friends, and when I, like, I did, when I did know a few people, they were, like, just weird to me. Like, they're so different. I'm like, I, I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't possibly go do that. But I had no other plans, so I was like, okay, I'll go to YWAM because they'd give me a visa. Um, so my... Um, my goal was I was going to go up, stay there for a week or two, and um, leave. But uh, I went there, and I, I spent a week, and I met some amazing people. And I remembered, like in, in my first week a while, uh, first week there, I remembered that what I had said to God when I was fourteen. You know, like I, my life is yours, God. And it was we were doing worship, and the, the lyrics in the song came up. It was like my life is yours, God, my life is yours. And so I remembered that. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my goodness, like God is real. And he's been pursuing me this whole time. And I like, he's like, I do, I, like, I do believe. And I had like a, I called it, I thought I was saved then because I was like, oh, I was saved. I used to tell oh, when I first I was saved at 24 or whatever. Um, but maybe about a year later, I realized that I was actually saved when I was 14. Um, and that God had never, in 10 years, about 10 years, yeah, he, he had never let me go. He was always pursuing me. And he, he was just so faithful. And I, I, I think in every way, my testimony is pretty similar to the, the prodigal son, um, which is a bit cliche, but it just, it's just, I, I mean, it's a, it's a biblical story for a reason. Um, and, yeah, and I, I think that's the, the encouragement that came on to my heart, for, or the first one is that God is pursuing you, no matter how like broken or how far away or just bored in your life or whatever you feel like God is still pursuing you. He's really um, going after you. And if you've ever said to him, no matter what age you were or when it was, if you said, you know, God, I want my life to be yours, he, he, he knows that. And once you've made a promise, he's so faithful and he, he will keep, keep going after you. Um, and also as an encouragement, um, to those of you who have family or friends who you deeply care about who are off track. Um, I was very off track, and I, I didn't know this till much later, but my mom used to, they, I, I thought my parents didn't know what was going on, but they really knew what was going on. Um, and my mom specifically prayed for me every day. Um, and and I, she, you know, we've talked about it, and she said, there was years for years, for, you know, 10 years or I guess it started to get bad. So it was probably about five or six years she was praying um, for me and just was like, had almost no hope because it was just, she was just like, I can't, you know, like, how can I, how can, he, how can we get him? How can we get, uh, get him back to, to be on track? And she just kept praying and praying and praying. And um, I really believe that it was my mom's prayer um, plus the promise to God that, that got me back. And so I just want to encourage all the moms out there and anybody else that, you know, praying for your child, no matter how lost they are, is very effective and it worked. I, 
I like to say that I was forced into YWAM against my will through prayer, um, which is kind of, you know, I don't know, you know, don't get too theological, but um, <laughs> yeah, that's, so that's just my encouragement was, you know, God is pursuing you no matter where you are. God really does love you, and he, he, he sees you as um, important and valuable, um, and that you, prayer works. Prayer is powerful. Anyway, thank you. Hello guys, I'm John Simmons. Hello mom, I know you're watching this. <laughs> Word that came to me is faith. A little backstory about me, I was a soldier for seven years. Um, particularly in the infantry. My job was to go and basically run toward the people shooting you. That's basically what I was trained to do. Never got to do it, but... In my walk with Christ, it turned out I was fighting a much different battle. And this, we, these were principalities that I could not see. These were, this was spiritual warfare. It's why we're called to actually go the extra mile, because the most dangerous time is when you actually take the ground. When you take the moral ground is actually when you're at most vulnerable, because that means I can rest. No, we're called to go the extra mile. And I did, you know, when I, when I sobered up. Um, Nine years ago, I gave up my old identity as a soldier. And I'm often reminded of the story of the centurion. The centurion was very interesting because, again, he didn't particularly know, he knew of Jesus' authority, but didn't outright call himself as a follower, but had faith. And what does it say about the faith of a mustard seed? It's all that's required. This man had much more because he saw the authority and the power that dwelled in him. And I see how nine years ago, I ran my life on self-will. I tried telling God his plans and his purposes for me. Well, it didn't really go that well. <laughs> Massive amounts of debt. I destroyed every bridge, every friendship that I ever came, that I came into. Four shots at treatment. I mean, that on itself is a miracle because the odds are I should have been dead at least two or three times over, easily. Not to mention all the times I was in the influence. Not to mention all the horrible things that I said. Yet, by the grace of God, there go I. Because that's what I was, I was bought with, grace. I did nothing, absolutely nothing at all, to be able to stand here today and enjoy the life that I have. And through this... It actually was something that was used to bring my mom to faith, too, because during this time, during this, this heartbreak, she saw this picture of a ginger kid doing a headstand that said, Be patient. God isn't finished with me yet. And I see the patience God has with me, even to this day. When I see 
where he's brought me from. And I don't even, and, and I see like how he, he's still working this, this amazing work that is yet to be finished. Um, I had to thank God for that because I, I, I have nothing, nothing of my own is, is without his doing. Um, and when I, and when I see everything that's gone on today, you know, I see all the calamity, I see all the, the, the division and what I realize is this is nothing new under the sun. This is God basically using all things to work together for his good. And it doesn't appear that way. It doesn't. But I look back at my life and I realize, you know, I had to go through that to get where I am today. And um, <clears throat> there's one passage there that um, I was, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but um, it basically goes a little like this. It, it's... Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have enough of its troubles. Today's are enough. And also in that, the reading, it talks about how God so much loves his creation. He takes care of everything. He takes care of the birds. We do not store up grain. He takes care of, of us. He knows exactly what we need before we even ask it. That's how much he loves us. And I, I'm often baffled at how much I try to tell God how to, that I somehow know what's best for me when he's the one who counted the hairs on my head, well, the ones that are remaining anyway, and knows me more intimately than anybody else knows. And some of the most loving things he has done is not give me what I want. And I think that's, that's the hardest thing. I, 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 I have my own idea of what justice looks like. I have my own idea of what a God-filled life looks like. And I realize that without him, I can't do anything. With him, I can do all sorts of things that I did not dare dream were impossible. I could go back to school and graduate. You know, I'm coming up on that soon. I can be free of alcohol. And I don't mean just swearing off temptation. I mean, like, it being removed. Right? That's, that's something I could have never dreamed of. But through God, it is possible. And through a relationship with Jesus Christ, it is possible. The impossible is possible with him. And uh, anyway, thanks. That's all I got. Uh, Matt was saying when he was kind of introducing this that it's the spirit often works um, works in us similarly kind of as a as a family as a body that the spirit is working in each of us but um, maybe in similar ways and uh, I had thought maybe what I might um, what, yeah, when I when 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 I heard Glenn wasn't going to be here and that it's going to be kind of an open mic thing, uh, just sort of thinking about what might, what I might share and um, I've been spending a little bit of time in my own personal time in Hebrews chapter eleven, uh, and I was kind of humming and hawing over whether or not I would um, say something about that. Um, but then as uh, Mark was was sharing uh, and as uh, 
John was sharing in particular, uh, yeah, just felt like, no, this is, there's consistency here, and it's, and it's cool to see how the Spirit does that. Um, so Hebrews 11 is, uh, I thought of it especially when Mark was saying, at the end he talked about how uh, the forefathers of, of our faith and, and how they, they, didn't see, <clears throat> they didn't see anything in themselves um, but it was it was by their faith in God um, to to bring about His promises to them um, that uh, that made them. I don't, I don't know if Mark didn't say this explicitly, but it was their faith in that 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 made them righteous before God. And uh, and John talked also about how in his own walk, there's nothing he could have done. Um, and uh, Hebrews 11 just kind of walks through. Um, stories of it walks through Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Moses and talks about how um, talks about their faith uh, and and particularly talks about how they they didn't even really get to see the promises that God gave them come to fruition but they had faith in um, in a better life to come. They had faith in the resurrection, essentially. Um, and so I wanted to read a couple kind of key points from that. Um, after talking about <clears throat> um, yeah, Abel and Enoch and Noah and, and Abraham, uh, it says in verse 13 of chapter 11 in Hebrews, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But, as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And then it continues to talk about Abraham having faith when he offered up Isaac and talks about Moses having, having faith and Moses' parents having faith to put him in, in the basket. And, and then he, he finishes the chapter with this. He says, What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and all the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. And I thought, you know, as Mark was talking about um, just this sort of talking to the disciples and them being poor in spirit, um, or that, or that you know, it's the, 
uh, when, when we've inherited the kingdom of God, um, we are poor in spirit. Um, I thought about how, you know, the, the Israelites, when they were expecting their Messiah, they were expecting an earthly ruler, right? They were expecting when, when Jesus came in the week before Passover, uh, Palm Sunday, they were praising him because they wanted him to overthrow the Romans, right? They wanted, they wanted God's kingdom now. Uh, and I think we, in our life, that is, it looks different. But for us, it's, we want our kingdom now, right? We want, we want our best life now. Um, and, but we've got to have, we've got to have faith in a better life after the resurrection, um, knowing that, that Christ will come again. Um, and we've got to live for that kingdom, uh, and not for our own, um, and I think that's all I've got to share. Everybody knows me, the name Lucy. My name is Luciana, actually. And I was born in Italy. And as a good Italian, I've been brought up into the Catholic Church. I went to church every Sunday with my parents. As soon as I got married, no church. Just forget it. So the only time I was going to church was on Christmas Eve, the great grand mass. So anyway, once a year, I guess it wasn't enough. And um, I knew that Jesus, uh, he died for the, everybody, for the world. Fine. Until a friend of mine, she said, well, think about it. it like, believing is not enough. I knew it in my head. But then this friend of mine said to me, he died for you. That's a bit different. Because see, it for the world, it doesn't really touch me. But when she explained to me that he died for me, that really hit me. And then I realized nowhere in up here is not enough. He has to go all the way down here. And that's why I thank God that he opened my eye. Thank you. Hello, um, my name is Monica. If you haven't seen me in a while, it's because I haven't been here for a while. Um, I've been all over the place. But when um, Matt shared that, um, that we would have a time of sharing, God just brought this passage to mind, and it's really connected with what everyone else has been sharing. So I think the two main points is that God is faithful um, and that he can handle our humanness. Um, because I think oftentimes when you hear stories of faith, um, it can be really hard to say, like, 
or feel like, oh, I'm not there yet. What am I supposed to do? These people did amazing things for God. And I just don't know if I will ever be there, if I can do that. Um, and so God brought to mind this passage in 1 Kings with Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Um, and we'll start in 1 Kings 18, 20, when it said, So Ahab sent all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different options? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And if you don't know the story, it proceeds that he builds the altar. Um, Baal doesn't show up. God shows up, um, and the prophets of Baal are defeated. But immediately after that, um, Jezebel threatens um, Elijah's life. And Elijah just flees after God has shown up and defeated the prophets of Baal and showed his faithfulness. Elijah runs away. Um, and just flees off into the desert into a cave and is hiding there. Um, but then God still pursues him out in that. His past faithfulness will continue on. Um, and he sees Elijah in this cave and pursues him. Um, and not in like the earthquake, in the fire, but in the whisper and says that he is with Elijah. Um, and he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I, and Elijah's trying to justify himself, says, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, am left, and they seek my life and take it away. And the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint... Um, a lot of long names that I can't really pronounce. And he just tells Elijah what the actions are when he goes back. He says, I have a plan for you, and this is the way um, forward. And I think that that is just such an encouragement to me that I know that like, when I see God's faithfulness in my life, you really just see that in the moment, but then it's so quickly forgotten. And even when you run away and you hide, God is still faithful in those times. He's constantly pursuing you. And he's not going to let you down. Um, but, yeah, so that's that. There's usually somebody who is thinking, oh, I should go up and share something. And then they see the person who they think is wrapping everything up. Walk up and they're like, oh, maybe not. So if there's anybody that's feeling that way, now's the time. I'm going to give you two more, two more minutes, and then I'll come up and we'll go into communion. Okay. I guess that person was me. <laughs> I just wanted to encourage you with some words from Colossians 3. That if 
been a great encouragement to me. Raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not the things on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, set aside all anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. For it is on account of these things that the wrath of God will come. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and love. Forgiving one another as God has forgiven you. And above all things, put on unity. We are called in one body and be grateful. I'm grateful. I don't really want to be up here either. <laughs> um, but Matt called me out, and then my mother-in-law came up, and then she ended her thing with Unity as well. Um, so I've been doing some documentary work, and we've been interviewing a lot of people around the world. And um, one of the themes that's come up, not intentionally, sorry, not intentionally by the producers of the documentary, but it's come up with as Unity. Glenn talked about Unity recently in one of his sermons, too. Um, I think I've just been, again, I have no idea what I'm really sharing here other than like that's been on my heart, too, and just seeing how hard it is in our community as well and how we have a lot of people who aren't here, who used to be here. We've been here since 2015 at The Rock, and uh, I miss a lot of those people who aren't here. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. Um, I know that they're following Christ, Christ as well. Um, so John 17 has come up a lot, and it's kind of uh, starting around verse 20. Uh, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that, they, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you. That, may be, that they may also be in us and the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and we have loved them even as you have loved me. Um, yeah, there's probably a lot more that I can share about that. I just don't really have everything prepared, but... I just wanted to share that that's been on my heart, and I know that's been on a lot of other people's hearts as well. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty tough to kind of see a lot of these things happen in our community and stuff. And, um, yeah, there's, there's many who love Christ, and I want to be unified with them as well. I want to point my kids to that as well. I want The Rock to be a welcoming place for everybody. Um, yeah. Oh, actually, one more thing is, I guess... That's going to come up as we're going into communion now as well. There's, um, that's, that was one of the things that Francis Chan had mentioned quite a bit. We were interviewing him and uh, just like the unity that Christ brings. And that's like the center of everything. And that's what we do um, every Sunday as well. We have been doing every Sunday. So 
that's that's who we are uh, unified around. Hello, my name is Jennifer, um, and I was just up there listening to all this and wanted to add, just I've heard a lot of common themes about having faith and people being brought out of like really dark times in their life um, where they weren't walking with God, and I just wanted to add to that and share, like talking to the people who maybe right now, um, like you have like met God, and you have been in those places where you're feeling super close to him, and now you're in a dry spot. And you're like, well, I understand all these things. I felt it in my heart, but like, now I'm in a dry season. So, And it's hard to share that, but I just want to encourage you to open up about it and know you're not alone, because I currently am also in a dry season. And it's hard, you know, because I remember being close to God, and I remember being so energized all the time, and now I'm tired and, you know, but... I know that God is with me, and these stories, even though they're they're different, you know, it's the same for all of us, no matter whether you're just in a dry spot or you're, like, the farthest from God you think anyone could be. So just wanted to add that, and thank you. Good morning, my name is Yuri, and um, I cannot really fathom what I'm trying to say, though um, I think that getting close to God is like going on a pilgrimage or exodus type of thing. Um, In a way, I feel like I'm a captive in um, fossil fuel society where anger can derive from not being able to afford gas to um, rental housing uh, arguments or uh, related to highway rage. And um, Exodus seems to be abandoning technologies, vehicle, that I drive and cell phones, everything. And, and sort of, I just wanted, to, as I say, I cannot fathom, though, looking at, at that picture that's on the wall of the uh, beautiful uh, Alpine Meadow. And um, if we go there and build with um, bobcats, chainsaws, uh, machines, just a standard construction way, that beautiful nature will be harmed and destroyed. If you go there with human access, we per se will have more time to think whether to chop tree down or not, and and have have that ox exodus and keep that nature, that life, in place. Um, All machines contribute to evil, directly or not, consciously or not. And um, 
I just, I care. I care for people. I wish everyone long and healthy life in, 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 in heaven. Thank you to all the mothers. Happy Mother's Day. All right, as the worship team comes up, I did have a, a couple of verses uh, that I, I, I felt the Lord left me with. Uh, and they're both but verses. Uh, so they're both going to be continuations on this explanation of who we were not. But it starts off with but. But. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good work, which God prepared in advance for us. Let me repeat that last part. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We're created to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us. And also in First Peter... Another but verse, calling us past our previous lives. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I know today was a happenstance for many, but was clearly planned by the Lord. We've come through a season of fear and struggle for many in many different ways. But we continue to be those people that the Lord has called and prepared good works for. We're still those people who God has called to be his ambassadors, to be the oracles of his goodness to one another and to those we meet as we go. And I hope this Sunday has been a, a good reflection point that when many of us got that email of, oh, do I have to prepare? Oh, how prepared am I? How often have we focused on the goodness of God in our lives and all around us that we could be those oracles that proclaim that to others? And it doesn't have to be much. Because God's already prepared those things ahead of time for us to step into. And in that, it actually builds us up. So as we are going to go into time of worship and into a time of communion, which is another remembrance of what God had already prepared, let's, let's go back and Allow this to be a, a preparation for this week ahead. And for the next time that God calls us to step out and to share what he's doing.
in us what he's done before and that we would all be those oracles of his goodness. Let's pray with one another. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you for your goodness to us that your history is a history of love and goodness for your people and that you've called us as your people to permeate that love and goodness in wherever we go. And Father, we ask that you would restore us as many are weary and hurting. And that we would truly be that light on a hill for those who you continue to call. And Father, as we turn to communion and remember what you have done for us, that you would allow all of our inadequacies to fall away. As we have spent far more time focusing on the ways which we fail and which the enemy continues to bring up. But we ask that, Father, you would restore on us that childlike spirit where we just long to be in your presence and to please our Heavenly Father. We thank you for your goodness. In the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. So as we go into worship, we will have the cup and the bread. Please come up, take it, take it back to your seat, and then we'll all partake of it together.